Our second reading for this morning is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 13th chapter, and it can also be found in the middle of your bulletin insert if you'd like to follow along. Jesus put before them another parable. The dominion of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The sovereignty of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The realm of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in her joy she goes and sells all that she has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the empire of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the monarchy of heaven is like a householder who brings out of the treasury what is new and what is old. Here ends our reading. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. All things work together for good with those who love God. This growing season, otherwise known in the church as ordinary time, has been a marathon for my spirit. A summer of more to do than feels possible. More need for wisdom, more need for humility, more need for energy, strength, ability. Hearing these parables taken out of the treasury of Jesus' teachings has been like drippings from the honeycomb. Words of encouragement in, let's face it, a tough time. With a series of parables, Jesus, like Paul, encourages us that there is hope, there is help in our weakness. And though the kingdom of heaven may be hidden, there will come a time when it will be seen. Indeed, it is already germinating among us. Amy Jill Levine has written a book called Short Stories by Jesus. 
in which she sorts through a handful of parables in conversation with ancient Jewish tradition. She has this amazing way of naming the images that might arise within us as people of the 21st century when we read or listen to the stories within the Bible. In the parable of the woman who hides yeast in three measures of flour, she points out, the term for yeast refers to sourdough starter and not to those little red packets of cultured yeast that sit in the refrigerator door. Making the starter is a long process that includes time for decay, or more palatably put, fermentation. The birthing of the kingdom of heaven is not sterile. Levine also helps us understand that when three measures are mentioned, it does not mean three cups of flour. Three measures of flour is somewhere between 40 and 60 pounds. The dough would be far too much for one woman to knead on her own, and the yield would be far too much for one person to consume. Even with such an incredible feat, the woman cannot make the dough rise. But there is yeast in there working with her. This very small hidden thing. And it will leaven the dough and produce an abundance. Similarly, even a mustard seed should not be dismissed. Given the chance to germinate in the soil, it will grow abundantly and support life in its branches. Not only will it provide a place for birds to rest, but it is a plant that has curative properties. From a relatively small seed comes an enormous resource of healing. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and hid with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed someone took and sowed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in her joy she goes and sells all that she has and buys that field giving it time to rise. Quoting from the apocryphal book of 2nd Esdras, Levine underlines the promise that what is now hidden will finally appear. It reads, Go and ask a pregnant woman whether when her nine months have been completed, her womb can keep the fetus within her any longer. The baby is going to come. The dough will rise. The kingdom of heaven may not be seen yet, but it's growing. There is part of me that imagines the kingdom of heaven as this idyllic place. Even when I use the phrase, this side of heaven, to refer to the kingdom of God, I don't imagine dirt or enzyme decay, or the blood associated with childbirth. 
It is a place where the sun is always reflecting off of golden chariots, where the grass is blowing gently in the breeze, where there is no putting on of airs, where people just do the right thing, where the right thing, my version of the right thing, is universally understood as the right thing. But if that's the goal, a far-off, idyllic place, then we miss the point of being here in life now. The parables keep bringing us back here. Whether we are wandering around delighting in what we stumble upon, or nose to the grindstone trying to make that dough, it is right here in the midst of that. We don't have to be all cleaned up. It's here in the joyous and in the yuck. It's in the yuck that our spiritual practices can rise to the occasion, challenging the illusion that the spiritual is reserved for loftier heights. The parable of the merchant and the pearl of great price puts the puts the antithesis of what is imagined as good and honorable and righteous alongside the kingdom of heaven. We have positive connotations of merchants. Levine observes, we think of merchants as socially respectable, perhaps a step up from salespeople and two steps up from peddlers. We like the idea of merchandise, which sounds better than stock. The term also has a bit of a nostalgic ring to it. Merchants were the independent shopkeepers who formed the chamber of commerce. However, in the Bible, there are nearly no positive connotations for merchants or for merchandise or for buying and selling goods or doing the work of merchants. Think turning over tables. Think selling things for more than what they're worth. So to identify the merchant as an actor in a parable about the kingdom of heaven is provocative. But in the midst of doing business, the socially suspect work that it was, the merchant recognizes before him something of such great value that for him, it's worth selling the farm. In buying this pearl of great price, he suddenly changes course, also a countercultural move, and his identity changes. He's no longer a merchant buying and selling goods. Lest we think it was sacrificial, Levine points out that we aren't told that he lost anything. He isn't suddenly poor. <coughs> Having seen the value of the pearl, it wasn't a sacrifice to do what he needed for it. This wouldn't necessarily have been understood by those who watched, for the pearl had no practical value. It couldn't feed him. It couldn't shelter him. Because he was living in a different paradigm, I imagine people looked at him like he was crazy. Whether or not it was seen by others, 
he recognizes something of great value and he names it as such. Bold move. A move of freedom. Though the kingdom of heaven may be hidden, there will come a time when it will be seen. Indeed, it is already germinating among us. In 1902, Barbara McClintock was born. When few women became scientists, she earned her PhD at 25. Described by some as a mystic, she spent her life in the fields studying the traits of corn kernels. She was said to have an intuitional sense, able to imagine things that others in the field had no understanding about. Her discoveries were t would turn out to be essential to the study of genes. Though she would win the Nobel Prize in 1983 at the ripe age of 81, she was not always so respected. She refused to be confined to traditional roles. She was a researcher and a scientist first, a woman second. She would not conform. She went her own way, not understood or accepted by the scientific community, which, to be honest, sounds like a pretty hard life. In an interview, she, ex she explained, when you feel that strongly about something, it can't be turned off. Nobody can hurt you. She had to follow what she found, no matter how many dogmas it contradicted. Like the person who discovered treasure in the field, she followed her joy in pursuing it. Though it was many years before her pearl of great price was seen by others, the day did come. Though I imagine she would have decided it was worth it all, even if it hadn't in her lifetime. Mystic scientist, pregnant visionary, seed of life. Certainly wouldn't have been the identifiers given her when she first took on her three measures. She followed her joy, delighting in the life of the seed, germinating in the dirt, the spiritual made rich along with the decaying leaves and waste of the compost. I wonder where the kingdom of heaven is rising in you. Let that lighten the load. Amen.